Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Well, hello there, Tej Talks listener. Tej speaking, obviously. Um, welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. So we have Lloyd Girardi here from White Box Property Solutions. Now, he is a property developer, investor, builder, extraordinaire. He, he does it all. Um his first property deal was actually a, a, a land development. So he got a bit of land, which was which only cost him about 150 grand, um, built on it, kept those flats, and is now renting them out. And actually, the uh, the profit he created in this deal was pretty big, and the rent roll he's getting in is pretty decent. So he's really created financial freedom from one deal. Um, he didn't really have to put in much of his own money um the development was backed by 100% development finance so you know land and building from you know what is mud and grass and maybe a bit of clay and some old world war 2 stuff um seems quite obscure and distant to anyone starting out in property but actually lloyd makes it uh, a lot more accessible um also we still have the competition up so if anyone wants a, a 15 minute to 45 minute consultation mentoring session coaching with anyone who's been on the show um each guest is giving out two of these slots so they are limited please uh like us on instagram and facebook review the podcast on itunes or the podcast app or on the facebook page let me know you've done this and i will enter you in the competition let me know who you'd prefer to talk to and i will release the results in probably about 14 days but look there's so much knowledge so much insight that these people on the show can offer you that could you know change what you're working on or change your vision or even you know change your life as cheesy as that sounds so if you're interested please review let me know and uh, without further ado here is Lloyd. Lloyd welcome to the Tesh Talks podcast. Glad to be here mate thank you very much for inviting me. No, that's no problem. I think I've seen you post quite a bit on Facebook, some really, really interesting deals, um, some really interesting figures. And I think one thing that probably stood out for, from you in particular is that you often say that, you know, property development and building from land or from scratch is accessible to anyone. And I think that is quite unusual because most people, and myself included, would kind of say, all right, you know what, vanilla buy to let, HMO, commercial conversion, oh, there may be land, but your kind of approach is actually, well, anyone can do it, right? So we definitely need to explore that philosophy and how it's possible in this podcast. Um, but let's start off with you as a person. So what were you doing before property or have you been doing it your whole life? Uh, no, not really. So when I first started property, it was really 2014, the beginning of 2014. Um, I have been in property, I suppose, since about 2006. Uh, so I went traveling. I left school at sort of 2004, went traveling, didn't want to go to university. All my friends went to university. I just, just really didn't like the idea of going, but I didn't want to tell anyone because everyone was going and everyone was sort of pressuring me to go, go away and go to uni. But I just wanted to travel. I wanted to get as far away from the UK as possible and just go traveling. Um, which I did in the end. I came back in 2006 um, and joined Taylor Wimpy Homes. So the new build developers, one of the big uh, UK developers in, around at the moment. And I was there probably as a 20-year-old in the show homes selling houses. 
um, didn't have a clue kind of how to buy the land, how to build them. Um, and probably at the time, I didn't have a clue how to sell them, but I, I slowly <laughs> learned how to do that. Um, and eventually sort of started selling these houses to uh, obviously general families as well, but also property investors. And they used to come in buying like three or four at a time cash. Uh, and it used to just completely blow my mind about how they could do that. I just, I idolized them. I thought they were multimillionaires driving away in their nice cars, um, which reality now is uh, they probably weren't but cash buyers. They were borrowing money off other people uh, like we do now. And yeah, telling me they were cash buyers, but um, I completely idolized them. And going on to your question is kind of, I was in property in 2006 for probably six to nine months. Um, then went to work for a mortgage broker, qualifying people for mortgages. So not, not a broker myself, um, or an advisor myself. Um, and that was about till 2007. So a year and a half, probably in, in and around property, but not actually doing property myself, uh, until 2014. Ah, so then in 2014, what, you know, after working in and around property, what was it in 2014 that you said, Hey, I need to actually be doing this. What was that moment? Uh, it was, to be honest, the actual business side of things I've always wanted. I've always wanted my own business. Um, ever since I can remember, I'd, I've I've just grown up knowing that I wanted to be my own boss and I just want to sort of do my own thing. I'm I'm quite a creative person and even my wealth dynamic is a creator, massive creator. Um, and I love making things and I love to come up with new ideas. So all through school um, and beyond, I just wanted my own business. So I had loads of ideas, but I was really scared of getting started. The fear of starting a business because I didn't know how. So I just went along with everyone else and got a job because that's the most secure thing. That's easy to do because um, anyone can get a job uh, and just jump into life, basically. Um, and it was the whole sort of job that I ended up staying in. I got a company car, got secure, uh, had bonuses and the whole idea of, of owning my own business completely faded out um, until 2014. It was the end of 2014, uh, especially. And I remember it really, really, uh, really well. Um, unfortunately, it was, the, it was the 4th of November, 2013. Um, I actually lost my dad through cancer. Um, and he was 53 at the time. And that really, really hit me. I, I wasn't, wasn't massively close to him. Um, but obviously, it's my dad and seeing someone that you, you love sort of pass away and I suppose in that whole year just fade away. That completely took me by, um, well, not by surprise, but just shock. And I thought, you know what, why am I doing what? I enjoy the job, but why am I doing something I work really hard for and not not doing something for myself? So from that moment, I just started talking to people that had businesses and quizzed them and questioned them. How do you start a business? How do you get into property? Or not, sorry, not even property, just how do you start a business? Um, and at the time I was selling LED lights from Taylor Wimpy, the mortgage broker, got made redundant, and then went into LEDs uh, and lights and just worked for a manufacturer selling lights to wholesalers. Um, and I say I enjoyed it. I was going to go and work for myself as a sort of lighting designer because at the time that's what I knew. Um, and then I was talking to my now business partner just about businesses and starting businesses. And he was just reading about property investing um, and had 
a free ticket to a, a property seminar, which we went along in January 2014. And that was a defining moment for me that just, I just said, you know what, this is actually sounds amazing. And it's one of those seminars which a lot of people probably um, tell you that oh, it's all sort of load of rubbish. Um, nothing, what they say is true. They just want to sell stuff to you. And yeah, they do. They do want to sell stuff to you because it actually works. Like if you put what they say into action and do it, it does actually work. The people that are skeptical about it are the ones that don't go ahead and do the the payment and they don't believe in it. And if they don't believe in it, they won't achieve it. So um, I was probably one of the skeptics, but I had Andy, my, my business partner, sort of going for it and saying, oh, this is what I'm going to do. And I kind of had to go along and agree with him because I just wanted to do something. And my reason why I wanted to get started in property was completely outweighed uh, my reasons why I shouldn't get into property and um, because my reason why I was I'm doing it for me this is what I've always wanted uh, and I just had sort of my, my dad in the back of my head um, telling me just do it wow okay wow so you know you went to this kind of seminar you were pumped you were feeling it you and your business partner Andy were ready what what was your first property deal uh, so this is where we tell people that anyone can do property development um, because I have literally done property development as the first ever deal. Um, wow. So well, I say first, I did have a buy to let, but my nan gave me the deposit towards it. <laughs> my mum helped me buy it and I just put money. Well, I didn't put my money. My nan put money into it for me. Um, and it was just, it was just running. I didn't do anything. I didn't even look after it. Um, it was just it was just working. So it was the development deal probably wasn't my first deal, but it's the first deal I actually was really involved with and did. Um, and the first ever deal was a new build development of eight uh, two bed townhouses. And this is why we tell people that anyone can get into developments. And you you touched on it, touched on it very early on, because anyone can get into developments. Anyone can. It's not for everyone. So I get that people, some people don't want to do it at all. I understand that, but it, anyone can do it. Um, and I only say that purely because I have done it. I've, I've not come from a wealthy family. I've not come from um, a load of money. I had zero money because well, even these days, whatever I earn, I spend. <laughs> um, I like to live live a life. I like to live it now. Again, probably going back to sort of my dad. I, know, I don't know when my time's up, so I just want to live the life now. Mm. Uh, and enjoy it really so um i had no money i had no experience in developing either um but andy did andy had some experience in developing uh, a house and he built a house at the time and we just jumped straight into it uh, we didn't have any development training so although these this sort of property seminar was about property investing uh, we had no one telling us about how to do developments we just thought well they're teaching us how to find a house. We'll just times it by eight. It can't be that hard. Um, so we just did it and we jumped in probably the real deep end. Uh, and our first ever deal was a property development uh, of a new build of eight, eight two bed townhouses, which some might argue that was a bit naive, but uh, in fact, it probably was a bit naive to be honest, but <laughs> it actually helped us to actually get started. Yeah, so not knowing what was to go wrong, or not knowing what potentially could go wrong. So, um, talk talk us through the kind of figures and how you financed it, and then I want to hear about some things that went wrong. Yeah, cool. So, 
the, the first deal, as I say, was eight two-bed townhouses. The way we found the deal was Andy was looking on right move. Um, there was a, an auction lot, uh, which was the deal. And the deal was actually 22 former council garages. Uh, or they were council garages, but someone else had bought them. So we had 22 garages in Northampton, where, we, where we're from. And we knew the area. We kind of looked at the figures. We, we didn't know how much it would be worth, but the, the guide price was 100 to 120 thousand pounds which again we didn't have um and he had about 16 grand left in his bank in his business account <laughs> so this was going up to uh, up to auction on the 19th of february and we went along i just sat there i've never been to an auction before in my life i remember it again very very vividly i was um as still as it possibly could be i didn't want to move a muscle and um, i just thought if i sort of move the shoulder or something I'm bidding on a, on a plot. So um, <laughs> I said to Andy, I said, you're, you're bidding because I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very nervous. I was going to swear then, but I don't want to. Um, <laughs> and we ended up buying this plot and we ended up buying it for 157,000. Mm. And Andy, as I said, Andy had about 16 grand left in his, in his business account. So we just had enough to put the 10% deposit down at auction. Just wow, yeah. Just about, yeah. So we had, we had three hundred quid left. Um, wow. We had a limit of fifteen, uh, one hundred fifty thousand. Sorry, um, but it went over that to, by seven grand. But we just we had that kind of in the back of our head. But we ended up purchasing it for one hundred fifty-seven thousand. Uh, and obviously, with an auction, you've got twenty-eight days to complete. So I think having that twenty-eight days t- to complete, and maybe being a bit naive at first, actually helped us focus on finding that money uh, and the way we found that money is through private investors what hmm. we thought would be through private investors so how did you get these private investors so obviously you didn't have you know any real kind of experience especially not of developing Andy had a little bit you know who did you and how did you find these people to trust you with probably what was going to be a fairly large chunk of money yeah so Andy had obviously track record in his building company. So Andy owns a building company that he's had since 2007. Ah. Um, I say it was a building company. It was more, at first he was a sole trader. Then he had to took on a few staff. But the biggest thing he did at that, that time was he, he built his own house, um, which was just one house. Before that, it was like extensions, conservatories. And then before that, it was just kitchen fit out. So it wasn't it's like a construction company. It wasn't a construction company that built eight houses so we didn't have the track record that some people might expect we had at that time um but i certainly borrowed andy's track record on this occasion and i I put a spreadsheet together i put a little pack together just to show potential investors what the deal actually looks like and probably looking back it's it, it probably is like a business plan i said well this is how much we're buying the site for this is how much it's going to cost to build. This is the end value of the whole site. Uh, and the profit is quite healthy. So if our plan A doesn't work, plan B would, would kick in. Uh, and then plan C, if it really sort of, um, we call it doomsday plan, actually. So if it's if everything goes wrong and you just have to sell it for the cost, it, it costs us a fair bit of profit in there that we could soak up uh, and pay everyone back. So that was our main sort of pull call. We, we were going to pay people back before we made any money. Um, okay. which to the investors helped uh, and understood. Um, and I think 
just to answer the question a bit, they didn't put the trust in me, I suppose, because I didn't have the track record. They might have done, uh, but they might have done in the pack and the figures and the deal. But I suppose at that time, they put more trust that Andy had built something in the, in the past. Sure. Um, and, and the way we teach people now is to just borrow some track record at the, at the beginning. Anyone can start. They just I'd have to borrow something. Um, so yeah, I think right at the beginning, we just got stuck in. We just really got in the in the thick of it and just put ourselves out there to to find this finance. Wow. And and where did you get the finance from? Was it family and friends, or was it sort of someone you happened to network with? Or so straight after the auction, we we basically put an email together, a bit of a, a fancy looking pack. I mean, I think I've still got the email way back. But I just sort of sent it out there to everyone that I had it. I thought I had in my phone book and my email address, which actually turned out wasn't a lot of people. Uh, <laughs> I'm scared to send it to a lot of people as well. Um, in fact, I was scared to send it to a lot of people, so I didn't actually send it to that many. I just thought oh, these might be interested and they might be okay. Uh, whereas Andy had a bit more of a sort of client base, I suppose. Um, but we found one family friend who was interested, and he, he invested. Uh, about 50,000 on a loan agreement to us. And so we had probably about 100,000 left to find uh, with planning fees as well on top. And we had about 100,000 left to find within about two weeks because we're still on this 28-day deadline. Wow. So we um, we kind of pulled the cord a little bit and thought we need to we just need to sort this finance out because we'll find it a bit of a struggle to find finance. Uh, we ended up getting the rest of it on a bridging loan. Uh, and that bridging loan was six months. We ended up paying that back off within three from other private investors. So we didn't find all the money within the 28 days, but we managed to bridge the rest of the money that gave us enough time to then find some more private investors. And we ended up buying the site 100% using other people's money, private investments, loan agreed, or loans agreed to us, basically. Fantastic. And then, so you bought it for 157K. What were, what were the kind of costs and build costs? And then what was the end GDV? Yeah, so without going into all the details, just to give you the headline figures, um, the build costs were uh, 600,000. And we got 100% of that from a development finance lender. We then had the site value just under 1.2 million. Uh, and we had a refinance on it. So uh, again, traditional builders potentially would have sold this site uh, and realized the, the interest straight away or sorry, the profit straight away. Um, whereas we we wanted to invest in property. So what we did right at the beginning was we created um, well, what we now know is called the build to rent strategy. And we built these uh, houses, we refinanced them and we kept them. So the end value was 1.2 million or just under 1.2 million. Our total spend, including all the interest on top, uh, was around about 810000 And our remortgage was 75% of the uh, end value. Uh, and it was about 890000 So it paid off all of our investors, all of the interest, all of the professional fees, all of the development finance and the interest on there as well. And we were left with eight houses that we were renting out on single buy-to-lets or as single buy-to-lets. Probably... Well, generating about six and a half thousand pound cash flow gross. Uh, the mortgage on there was about three thousand two hundred, so we were netting about three thousand three hundred uh, at the end of the deal as well. So, 
you, you know, what you've done in one deal, which is your first deal for everyone listening, you know, realistically for a lot of people, that's financial freedom. You've also created, what, three, four hundred thousand pounds worth of equity or profit if you were going to sell it, which you got some of it out on a refinance. And this is from your first deal. No, you know, you personally no like real experience beforehand. Um, not much of your own money, only paying for the auction kind of 10% down. And that, I'm just like, wow, this is your first deal. Like, yeah. um, that's like, that's crazy because I guess most people, you know, go to these courses and say, yep. And you know, like I said, buy to let, buy to let, maybe HMO, maybe kind of moving up. Like what was in your mind that you said, you know what? Scrap that. I'm going to go straight to the biggest sort of type of property investment I can do into the the level where the gdv is a million plus which is a lot of zeros on the on the end of that number yeah and just yeah make it work like what gave you the confidence to just do that um honestly in my head not a lot um <laughs> i didn't know what to expect i wasn't part of a property community where i can see people doing deals i can see the mistakes that people were making i could see um, people being successful. I didn't have any of that. I just, I didn't have anything. Um, I probably what, what really spurs on to do it is we just thought, well, why can't we do this? What we questioned why we couldn't do it. Um, it was the first site we found. So it's not like we've trawled through 50, 60, 100 sites to find the one that works for us. Again, we didn't know what worked for us. So I think having that very naive at the beginning mind actually made us kind of what we are and who we are today as well. Um, don't get me wrong, throughout the whole process, um, I had to change my underwear a few times, we should say. Um, <laughs> I kept thinking to myself, like signing papers that were signing my house against stuff, my personal guarantees. I was just thinking, what? This is completely different to what my whole life has been. And this is a staggering amount, a staggering amount of money that I was sort of personally guaranteeing that I probably only had 40,000 worth of equity in my house. So Andy had to front the rest up in his equity. So between us, we probably had about 250,000 pounds worth of equity. But the person guaranteeing it against the loans and things, it was just crazy. I was just thinking, I don't know what, I'm, what am I doing? <laughs> I, but I think, again, the other thing was in my head, well, this is what I want to do. I mm. love it. This, I've always wanted to be in business. So the whole fear of starting really helped because I was with Andy and we were, pushing each other along basically so uh, again probably at the beginning i was relying heavily on andy's track record and what he was doing um and now going forward we're we both we're very much aligned in where we want to go and what we want to be but we're very different people as well so i think that really really helps wow i mean you know this deal is incredible and i think anyone listening is is going to be sort of stopping and thinking about that because it's sort of very hard to believe that that was your first deal. Like, that's just, you know, it's it's something else. And I know, you know, we've talked about the money, which is, you know, a great aspect of it. Um, it also probably feels really good to see, you know, a bit of grass become eight homes for people. I mean, that's, I, I can't imagine, like, how that kind of feels. You've, you've created something from from nothing, right? But what what were the difficulties that you encountered on this process? It doesn't have to be the sort of the building difficulties, but even your, you know, as you were kind of alluding to before, your emotional difficulties, like how hard was it to make this deal so incredible? I think 
when we first started, obviously the auction was February 2014. The site didn't actually start till September. So this didn't even have planning as well, just to throw that in there as well. So, oh, okay. You were risque. Like, this is like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> okay. It, it had lapsed planning. So we had a bit of knowledge. And Andy's mm. been speaking to the council just to say, look, if, if we put a similar design scheme in, is it likely to get planning? And obviously they couldn't tell us, but they kind of hinted that they need sites there they need houses uh, and because we know the area I, I was born there I, I was raised there I know the area was being regenerated so we had an idea 99% sure obviously with planning you're never 100% sure to get that decision uh, but we were 99% sure that we'd get planning again um, so things that potentially again emotionally that stopped us or was um, I, I suppose the constant fear of failing was in me, but then the constant fear of making a load of money uh, and making houses was also exciting. And I think that outweighed the fear. And if, it, if you have something that outweighs the fear, you're going to go and, and strive. If you're going to, if fear outweighs what you're doing, you're always going to sort of edge to the side of fear. Yeah. But I don't know if, if anyone's, ne- if no one's seen Will Smith talk about fear and the skydiving video, just YouTube it. It's absolutely amazing. It explains fear amazingly. I love um, that video. It's amazing. It's <laughs> awesome. What what was the most and uh, like stressful thing? The one most stressful thing that happened on this project for you that you were really pulling your hair out. I suppose even this first deal, I didn't get too involved with either because I'm I'm not the builder. I'm not someone that could be on site the whole time. Um. So I didn't get involved too much in this, but I know, I mean, we had copper stolen from the site. As soon as it got laid down, we had pipes going in, uh, cables going in that day and that evening, they were gone. And so that was a massive Ouch. sort of cost that we had to, again, find. And it's not worth claiming on insurance or anything like that. Um, so there's always something that was going to go wrong in a development, always. A, a development, yes, it, the reason why it's a bigger strategy is because it's very challenging. Um, every site is different. I can't tell you what was going to happen on that site unless you go and do it. Mm. So for us, I think the fear, or not the fear, sorry, the unknown is what to expect was our biggest challenge. Now we've done a few sites and we've, we've um, very, well, say very experienced. Now we're not very experienced, but we are experienced. And I think we know what to expect. So yeah. that is a lot easier. I think the, the hardest thing on that site was it was our first one. And we didn't have we didn't have a community of people we could go to that have been doing this. Like, I mean, we've set up now, we've set this personally up ourselves that we've got a community of people that we can share ideas with and challenges. Um, so I think that's the thing that was the biggest challenge for us is, is not knowing what's going to come. Right. And so, you know, how, how many built-to-rent uh projects have you worked on sort of since then to now so we've got i mean we combined a couple of strategies as well so we did i mean new build is kind of what we we specialize in and that's what we love uh, we also like a few conversions so we've done uh, the first one was eight houses the second site we did was exactly the same model so that was um exactly a year from when we first started the first site uh, and that was for 11 houses we kept them as well so in the space of about 18 months to, to 24 years, 24, year, 24 months, uh, we'd created ourselves a portfolio of 19 houses um, with other people's money, paying it all back. 
Uh, and we were left with a cash flow of about 15,000 gross and about seven and a half thousand pound per month net. Um, we did a few HMOs, so houses of multiple occupancy within there. So four, um, the four bed, five bed, another five bed. Uh, and then after that, we created uh, this massive beast of, uh, I suppose, HMOs or service rooms, um, which we created, which we've just finished off the last one, uh, probably about a year ago now. Uh, and that's 82 service accommodation rooms as well. 82? Uh, yeah. So what? we converted them wow. from pubs and all sorts into wow. service rooms as well. So, so you have a huge range of experience in, in so many things, right? So I think most people know when it comes to like buy to lets and HMOs, the kind of time frames are, are quite, you know, it, it's months, right? It usually shouldn't take years for you to start getting cash flow from these sort of things, right? When it comes to land and development, like, what is the sort of time frame that someone should go on from, you know, offer being accepted on some land to it being built, having cash flow, having it refinanced? Like, what's the real big picture time frame for that? Obviously, every site is different. Um, to give you an idea for the first site, and I'll, I'll explain the, the first couple of sites, really, that will um, show you really how it works. So the first site was eight houses. We purchased it in February 2014. The planning all went through. We had it accepted in July 2014. A couple of months to sort of satisfy the conditions on the, uh, the, the plan application or the planning permission. We're on site in September. We finished it in June and we refinanced back out in about October. So that's probably, I don't know, 18, 19 months okay. on. But hmm. again, probably important on that, that first site is because I wasn't involved in the actual site and the building of the site, because I'm not the builder. Um, in fact, Andy wasn't too involved in the site because he had a building team. And that's very true to anyone else that's probably listening to this and thinking about getting into it. If you're not the builder, you're not going to be on site. So you have sort of spare time, I suppose, to look elsewhere. And what I did, because I had to replace my income, because I was still working at the time as well, is I found a HMO. I found a four-bed HMO that I said to Andy, if I find this HMO and get it up and running, shall I take 100% of the income? Because that will allow me to get out of my job. Uh, and he obviously agreed at the time. And I managed to replace my income with a HMO um, and actually topped it up with some of the money from the development finance for that first deal. So I, I managed to quit my job in September 2014 from the HMO income and topped up income from the development finance. Because... If it's within your budget, it's within your finance because everyone's got a project manager site as well. So if you've got project management experience in there, you can use that. Obviously, I didn't have that experience, but we had enough in there that I was only borrowing, sort of topping up about £500 a month from the development finance. Wow. So talk me through the figures of the HMO, if you can remember them. Uh, so the first one was just a four-bed, uh, four-bed HMO. We bought it for 115,000. Uh, it was actually my nan that helped me put the money in for that one as well. So she, I think she lent us 30,000 to buy and refurb. Nice. Um, I think we ended up spending 40,000 in the end. So we had to get a little bit more from her. Um, but we managed to refinance that all, get the money back out. So we added the value on it. We managed to refinance it enough uh, to get, I think we actually got about 38,000 pounds 
back out. So there's about two grand left in, but we ended up paying that back off over the income that was coming out anyway. And it was about 2,000. In fact, it was 2,000 gross. Each room was rented out at £500 a month. Uh, and then mortgage at the time was probably 750 Total spend was about, I think about 900 total costs included. So we had about um, 1,100 net, which to me, I really scrutinized what I needed to earn to actually get out of my job. And it was about 1,500 a month. So stripped everything back. I decided I'm not going out all night. I'm not going, um, not going to go spend everything I've got. What do I actually need to survive? And it's about 1,500 a month. Um, and I managed to replace that income within sort of nine months of starting the, the property journey, I suppose. Wow. And so, you know, getting good builders in to just do a simple like buy to let refurb or to do a HMO conversion is, is not the easiest of task tasks, even for, you know, the kind of experienced property investors. How do you find like a build team and a project manager to build something as complex as, you know, getting a piece of mud aka the land and making it into homes with sewage with electricity with like how do you find people capable of doing that who will deliver yeah great question it's uh, we teach a lot of people how to get into developments now and one of the questions that constantly get brought up is how do you find the builder and how can you trust them um i guess i was quite lucky at the beginning that i joined ventured with a builder um uh, well, I suppose lucky. Lucky is not, it's not luck. I created my own luck because I started mm-hmm. talking to Andy who yeah. had his own building company. Um, so you always create your own luck. But I guess because I was speaking to Andy, I had that advantage, I guess. Um, I could borrow Andy's track record. I could use Andy as the builder. Um, and we both shared the profits. We shared the income going forward. We shared the risk and we shared the profit, which is key. So if you've got a builder that potentially you know, why not bring them in on, on the deal? Um, and bring them as part of it. They're going to stick to it because they'll have personal guarantees against it as well. Um, so they'll stick to the budget and try and bring the budget lower because anything they bring less, they'll get more as well as the profit and timescales they'll keep to as well. If you can't obviously join venture with a builder, there's obviously JCT contracts, uh, which are contracts you can um, get agreed between builders. There's, I mean, we teach people how to find the builders as well. So, We'd always go on recommendation. So if you can get a recommendation first and find a builder that way, that's good. There's breakfast network clubs about that a lot of builders attend as well. Um, you can always nip down to Screwfix or uh, one of the, sorry, the building merchants and see which van is there at six o'clock, half six in the morning, rather than the ones that turn up at nine o'clock or half nine, because they just want to get in there, get on the day, get cracking rather than sort of roll up out of bed and, go there at nine and start the day and the halfway through the day before the even started. So, <laughs> that's an interesting that's one. I, I like that one. I've never heard that one. That's I'll, I'll be camping outside Screwfix in my yeah. binoculars looking for, for a good builder. Okay. Looking a bit shifty. <laughs> yeah, normal. So um, like I know you've used other people's money and when it comes to like developing, you can get a development finance, but when it comes to like getting private JV angel like investment finance, it's one of the things that I think most new investors or developers say is quite tricky. And you probably get asked this a lot on your courses. Now, you have a reputation, you have a brand. So for you, getting money is not necessarily as difficult as it is for someone else, right? So let's strip that back from you. You know, without that, and kind of at the start, how would you recommend people find kind of angel investment? Or do you think they should build a brand and then do it? 
No, you don't need a brand to start. Um, so to raise finance, there's, again, this is something we go through and we make sure people are not only know about the development side of things, but they understand the, how to raise finance as well. Because I just say, that probably is something that stops a lot of people because land is out there. Land can be found. Sites can be found. Development finance is probably uh, probably the easiest part to development. Because if you've got a deal, there's, there's lenders out there. They have to lend money to make money. So they're out there. That's easy. As you say, the deposit side of things, the equity part, um, the contribution from a developer is probably one of the toughest parts. Um, but it is, it is available. And the way we, we show people is you've got you've to build sort of trust. Um, no one is going to invest in you unless they've got trust. And it, we actually use a model called the CREST model, uh, which is C-R-E-S-T. C stands for the credibility. Again, how do you build the credibility of if you haven't done any track record in the past? You can borrow from a builder. The builder has track record. The builder has credibility. They can be part of the deal. You can show an investor or potential investor, this is my project manager. This is my builder. This is what they've done in the past. That's the credibility they need. And the E, sorry, the R is the return. So when you're talking to investors, what is their return? And I'd always ask them what they want rather than tell them what they want. So rather than say, oh, I can offer 10% interest, ask them what they want. So well, I've got an opportunity. What are you looking for from an investment? And if they're... If you're offering them what they're asking for, they're more likely to invest. If you're telling them what you want and it's not what they're asking for, then they're already at defensive. So you've got to tell them or ask them what they want. Um, the E stands for the exit. So how are they going to get their money back? So we have plan A, plan B, and doomsday, as we said. So plan A is build to rent or remortgage. The mortgage that comes in will be enough to cover the interest and the money we've borrowed to pay back uh, yourselves and the bank. Uh, or the, uh, the, the development lender and the interest and everything. Plan B, well, we'll sell it and the cost of the profits or what we make out of the profits, et cetera, we'll pay back you, the development lender, the interest everything on top. And Doomsday, we will not make any money. We'll sell it at a cost, which might be 20, 25% below uh, the value of the property and we'll pay you all back. We've What we've made is nothing. We've not wasted time because there's no such thing as wasting time doing a development because you're always learning and always you know, creating opportunities or, or properties yourselves. Um, and I think knowing or telling the, the uh, investor there's three exit strategies is good. Mm -hmm. uh, the S is security. So how is their interest uh, or their investment secured? First charge, second charge, third, fourth, you can have all sorts, um, personal guarantees, deed of trust, uh, sort of, um, second charges on other properties, anything. So again, what does the investor want? If you're borrowing development finance, you can't give a first charge because most lenders will want a first charge. Uh, but anything else, happy to offer the investor. Again, it's up to them and what they want. And the T is what I said earlier, trust. So the only way you can build up trust is by covering those those four point, uh, points first and talking to people. Don't expect someone to invest on the first meeting you ever meet. Some people are different. Some people will be 10, 15 times until they trust you. I think the average, they say, is about seven touch points uh, until people truly sort of trust you. Because um, no one is, if they're 99% trusting, they won't invest. They have to be 100% uh, trusting in you to invest.
Yeah. Solid, solid points. And I think trust is probably the one that kind of underpins everything else. Um, and, and it's interesting to that seven touch points. Like I'm a recruiter and we sort of get told that and practice that all the time. And a lot of people just don't follow up. So even if it's just friends or you're just like WhatsApping or you're just talking on Facebook or whatever, like respond to everyone and speak to everyone because you never know when someone's going to turn around and say, oh, hey, Lloyd, I see you're um, looking for 50 grand. Well, I've got 50. What can you do for me? Because I think people will be surprised at how people will offer money. I mean, I was sitting with a guy, met him for the first time. We, we were kind of referred to each other for mutual friends. And I was talking about rent to rent. We were sitting there eating a mixed grill. And he goes, um, I'll give you 10 grand. And I was like, oh. Yeah. And for me, I was like, oh, that's a lot of money. Because this is my first kind of offer. And I didn't do anything. Like, I didn't talk about any deals. All I did was just talk about myself and, like, my history. And, you know, we got along. So, it, you know, the kind of simplest of interactions can build trust and, like, connect you with humanity, right? So, excellent, excellent points for people listening. So, Lloyd, what are you working on now in property? So, obviously, you've got your education business, which we'll get to. But what kind of deals, what kind of interesting deals are you working on right now? Yeah, uh, so we've got uh, we've got quite a few deals going on now. So right at the beginning, we just did one deal. We did the next one. Uh, then as we grew, we took on a project manager um, who was ex Taylor Wimpy. So he was a site manager building a hundred houses a year. So we thought, oh, to grow our business, we need someone that can manage that. So mm. we're actually working on. Uh, we just finished nine flats in Kettering, which is a conversion. Uh, we are we've just in fact we had planning a couple of days ago on four houses up in Cumbria, uh, which is another part where we, we have our business, but we have business partners up in Cumbria mm-hmm. to look after that. Um, we had probably two or three weeks ago, we actually had planning again for another four houses in Milton Keynes, which really looking forward to that side. That's going to be really nice, uh, really nice side. We've currently got in planning um, 30 houses uh, we've had planning approved probably two or three months ago now, or probably longer than that, three or four months ago for 12 houses. We are currently converting 18 flats, which was former uh, solicitor's office. Um, I think that's it. I think I'll stop my head. Yeah, just just a couple of things you're working on, eh? <laughs> yeah. Wow. But, that's... And, and, and probably the most important thing is I don't, I'm not involved in any of those deals, really. We've got a team around us now that supports that. And whereas very early on, I was I was very involved to a point. At the moment, I'm not that involved in them. Wow. I mean, that's that's a lot. Out of interest, the 30 houses you're building, what's the GDV on that? Um, off the top of my head, I don't actually know that one. Um, I think it's about 5 million. It's not, it's not loads. It's not a massive, um, high-valued area. Um, I might be wrong on that, actually. So, uh, yeah, what's up, man? I can't. I don't know that one. That's cool. I was just, it's such a a large number. I'm always interested to know the kind of end end kind of GDV. So, um, speaking of kind of areas, so you invest in Northampton, Kettering, those kind of areas, and then also kind of Cumbria. What what are your thoughts on the market in your area? Now, very broad question. So, feel free to kind of focus it wherever you want. Yeah, I think in our area especially, and we know the area, um, I think the market at the moment is very volatile. It's up and down. But when you know your area specifically, I know that in our area, there's talk that the price is going up 14% next year, which is a massive um, 
statement to make, I guess, because there is a, there is an uncertainty going on. Um, but I know there's a lot of infrastructure being built near us that is going to bring in jobs, it's going to bring in recruitment um, uh, around the area as well. So that generally brings up the prices of property. Um, I think as a, as a whole, again, no one really knows what's going on. But I think if you stop doing developments, if you stop doing um, or creating things and buying, nothing could happen. So that everyone could be really uncertain what's going on and stop, but nothing could happen and you, you, you stop for no reason. It might go the other way around. It might, the market might come down, but we actually carry on thinking that as well. So we think that the market will drop. So when we do our uh, offers and valuations, we're expecting a lower figure. So we're, we're not trying to go for hope value. We're not trying to go for this 10% premium on new builds or whatever people might talk about. We go on what we think, actually, that's the end value. We'll drop it in case it gets downvalued. So we might not win every deal because we're offering lower than what they're asking for. But we know that if it gets accepted, we're okay and we're secure on the deal. So a point. Okay, cool. And so apart from being a property developer investor extraordinaire, by, by what we've heard so far on this podcast, um, you also have a, an education business, which, which lots of property investors are sort of creating these days. What was the reason or motivation for creating White Box? Yeah, so very, very early on, obviously, that first deal, uh, which anyone listening might have, a, might have the same thought that people were telling us. So that first ever deal we did, people asked, they asked us how we did it. It wasn't normal in the property investing world to go out and find a site, build it, keep it, uh, especially the community that we eventually got ourselves into, that wasn't normal. So we had a lot of people just asking us how we did it, uh, the way we did it. And very early on, we used to take people around the site, show them, tell them. Uh, and it was probably Andy spending a day or half a day with each person telling them how it how it worked. And he's probably doing that three or four times a week. So I, I just said to him, look, rather than doing it on a one day and bring people to the site. Why don't we just do it over a weekend, get a load of people into um, like the Hilton Hotel at the time. Let's just tell them how we did that site. Uh, and the, the training grew from just telling them at the start how we built that first site, um, how we did it, how we got the finance, which finance company we used, everything from start to finish. We weren't teaching the whole developments like we do now. We just taught them how to do that, that one deal. And that was back in July, 2015. And since then, the training has grown. Uh, we did two courses that year. We did four the next year. I think we've done uh, all six the next year, eight uh, this year. Just teaching people how to get in development, how to raise the finance. But I think the most important thing is we're teaching people exactly how we've done it and the challenges we've been through, the mistakes we've made, but things that went right as well. So what we did to raise finance how me as someone that had no money, had, had no experience, uh, no track record, how I got into it and how Andy got into developments as well and how we scaled everything. So it's, it really grew. And I say that earlier, I, didn't, I don't get involved in our developments because I'm involved in our training now. I teach a lot of people. We mentor a lot of people. So I actually spend most of my week looking after our students. So whenever they've got challenges, I make sure that I'm available and there to help people rather than working on the development and not having time to, to help them. Um, we actually really get a lot of 
um, satisfaction out of seeing people get into developments because I know it's changed my life. So if I can see their life changing and me being part of that, that's really what excites me. Really, really enjoy that side of things. Yeah. And that's really interesting because I guess it kind of echoes why I do this podcast, right? Is to speak to people like you who have done this, you know, 2014 is, is not that long ago, you know, right. and you're doing it now. It's great to hear from people like you, I guess also to be taught from people like you because you're doing it right now with the market conditions, with Brexit looming, with the, the madness that is the property market. And it's it's something more relatable and believable about, you know, someone doing it right now because it's it's just more achievable, you know? I mean, yeah, back when they had, you know, 120% mortgages and you could refinance same day, like, yeah, of course you're going to get rich off that. That's easy, you know? Like, um, my, my grandma can do that. Yeah. But, you know, when you're doing it now in these conditions, it's different and, and a lot harder, right? So if I had to say to you, what is the number one biggest reason people should get into property development and, you know, building from land, what would you say it is? It's, it's just very adventurous. Um, it's challenging, I'd say, but the rewards you get at the back of it are amazing. I mean, one of the things I go through and teach people is, a lot of people have paid £200,000 for a house before or more. We actually paid £200,000 for our second site. That second site was valued at £1.7 at the end, and that was 11 houses. And the cash flow from that 11 was netting about four and a half, or just under 4500 So developments can really fast-track any investment strategy out there. It's going to be longer burning. It's going to be more challenging. But they say about the whole risk and reward, if you risk more, your reward is, is greater normally. But the way we teach things as well is we teach you how to mitigate those risks as well. So it's not a massive risk you're taking, but you're following people that have done it in the past. You're following myself and Andy that have done it as well. Um, but the biggest thing for me is my life has changed massively. It's, uh, if I was selling an LED light still, I wouldn't be well, I'll drive a, a nice car now, which I've always um, wanted. In fact, it's a better spec than I wanted, but I'm driving that kind of thing. I'm living in a house. I'm talking to you in a house that I actually I love, um, and it's one that I didn't expect to be living in four years ago. Uh, the family, I, even the free time and the choice I have, I don't have 22 days holiday set by an employee or an employer. I have choice. Uh, tomorrow morning, I'm going to go and see a load of schools because my, my son's four next year. And so I'm going to go and see a load of schools. I wouldn't have, I'd have to take holiday out to go and do that, but I don't have to. So all of that side of things, I absolutely love. And for me, that's why I love doing property. I love doing, and it's not, it's not the creative, the creating of the properties that I suppose I really enjoy. I like doing that. It's what those properties can bring me in my life, basically. Wow. That's, that's powerful. And I think that will resonate with a lot of people listening because, you know, you didn't necessarily say the word, but freedom is is what you've just described. Um, financial freedom, you know, freedom from an employer, freedom from other people's schedules and other people's kind of BS. And that's that's something that I think property is one of the best asset classes to give people. And, you know, with land and with developments, it sounds like it's getting people there a lot quicker. And, you know, me for one, I wasn't really thinking about land. I was probably thinking of more kind of commercial conversions, but actually... 
you've got me thinking about land. Um, yeah. So I need to it's read the same principle. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I've got your book. I do need to read it. Um, yeah. And I'm sure you can like share a link for everyone where they can get that as well um, after the podcast. So um, we have reached pretty much the end of the podcast, which is a shame because, I mean, we could go through all of your deals and people would listen. I'm telling you, it'd be amazing. Um, yeah. But I'm hopefully going to meet you in a few weeks at the Mastermind, which I'm on yeah. from your uh, Change Your Life program. Am I right? Did I say that right? Yeah, so we did um we did a change my life program this year, which is an idea we had for a while, and we thought, well, let's just do it, and that was basically offering one person the chance to um, come on all our training, be mentored by us for a year, come on our developers and business retreats that we go on, and it was about it's just over twenty thousand pounds worth of prize that we gave away um, to one successful applicant. Unfortunately, maybe you didn't win, but um, <laughs> it was fixed. Um, I'm telling you, it was fixed. <laughs> the guy we've taken on, he's actually it didn't it didn't plan to be like this, but he's actually um, very in line where we wanted to be in a business, uh, and he's actually ended up taking on part of our business and um, actually growing a new business. So it's actually Purple Box that he started and growing, which is a land sourcing and commercial deal sourcing business. Um, and that was just amazing. That create that changed my life was, was something we didn't expect would just explode and maybe we'd be interested in it. We, we thought we'd get 10 applications. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we got 163 in the end, which was way beyond our expectations. But um, no, it was brilliant. We absolutely loved it. Wow. Fantastic. So we've reached the uh, last part of the show, which is the quick fire round. So I'm going to ask you, it's like a three by three. So top three, biggest three, whatever three. Um, and short and snappy, right? So, what are the biggest three mistakes that you've made in property, Lloyd? Uh, we bought a flat that was out our sort of strategy. We bought a, a house that was out our strategy. Um, what else? Leaving things to the last minute in terms of we've got a deal. Right, let's get finance. We could have raised finance before we got the deal. Um, but yeah, we tend to find deals and then find the finance afterwards. You end up paying potentially some more more interest on that. Uh, and lastly, I don't know. I don't really have regrets because I like I like where we are. But everything, every mistake we've made has always been uh, we've learned from and done better next time. So I don't know. I can't think of a third one at the moment, unfortunately. I'll I'll let you off on that one. Yeah. Um, so next one, what are the top three tips you would give to people who are new in property development specifically? Yeah, so I think if you're thinking about it, um, and not just because we've got a, a training business, I, I would get educated in in development. Even if that's not with us, just get just get sort of taught in it. Same as when you drive a car, you get taught. You don't just jump in a car and hope you can drive it. Or I suppose if you put it into a perspective, getting a jumbo jet and trying to fly that, um, you've got to know you've got to know how to fly it. And obviously with passengers on board, you've got a lot of people to look after as well so um so get educated learn about it follow people that have done it in the past and learn from what they've done and, and uh, understand what they've done as well um what else to get people to get started don't go too big too soon so although we started with eight we probably did go too big but i'd say anywhere between four four to eight houses would be about right okay. um and finally, tip to get started is just believe in yourself. 
Um, mindset in the mind is a massive thing. And if you believe you can get into property, you will. If you think you can't find finance, you won't find finance. The brain is a very, well, it's a simple thing and it's very complicated at the same time. But if you think you can go and do it, you'll do it and be persistent and be dedicated. Awesome. And I know our, our mutual friend, Sunny Mahal, will talk a lot about mindset. So, yep, could you mention that? Um, yeah. And then on a more personal note, what are your top three goals for the future in life? Um, I actually have a vision statement, which is very visual um, and actually describes my life in, say, five or six years' time. And it explains where I am living, where my house is, what it looks like the sweeping staircase, the quad track in the, in the back garden, the, the pitch and putt in the garden, the garage doors I open and there's a um, Ferrari 488, 488 GTB. Uh, <laughs> Good choice. Black roof or Nero roof, yellow calipers. Um, everything, every little detail of what I envision my life and that then goes down to the charities that I'm helping as well. Uh, and I mentioned my dad earlier. So Cancer Research is one of the charities but Another charity very close to my heart, and I didn't mention it, but 56 days after my dad died, my granddad died mm. um, through Alzheimer's. And those two defining moments really spurred me on. So charity is a massive thing for me. Um, it's Alzheimer's and cancer research. And there's a gala dinner I'm hosting, and we raised £100,000 in the night. Wow. Uh, so I don't have set goals. I want to do this, I want to do that, I want to do this. I have a vision of where I want to be and what I want to see. Um, and who I'm helping and traveling is a massive thing for me I love traveling and I want to go to every single country in the world before I die strong wow those are those are very powerful visuals I was definitely imagining the the Ferrari there for sure um yeah, and, a lot of people do <laughs> and in the quad track I'm just thinking I live in London so I'm thinking yeah I can barely park my car on the drive let alone a quad <laughs> track so that's awesome Lloyd look I think people are, are honestly going to be really inspired by your story I know I am you know when you told me your first deal I was kind of sitting in my mouth open and, and kind of was forgetting to reply to you um <laughs> because it was it was so incredible and and life-changing right so um thank you so much for coming on the show i'll put all your contact details um on the show notes so people can get a hold of you and um yeah you know you should definitely come back on the show in a year or so and let's let's see what's happening yeah i'd love to i'd love to have a, a part two and um, see where we are now but yeah if anyone's listening or anyone has listened this far i personally want to thank you for listening till the end uh, i know i've picked up podcasts before and i've I've been too busy to get to the end and things. So I really appreciate those that do get to the end. Um, if anyone wants to read the book, uh, I'm more than happy to sort of share the, the, the link for the book as well. Um, but if you go via our website, we've currently got a limited number of books we're giving away for free. Uh, and if you want to go there, just say where you've, you've heard us from, uh, order a book. And yeah, if you want to start somewhere, start with a book. It explains the four years from when we first started to where we are now as well. Awesome. It's a good book. I've started reading it and I, I will definitely finish it now that I've spoken to you. Amazing. Thanks a lot, Lloyd. Cool. Thanks, mate. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.